in a castle in the mountains of Transylvania, the undead slumber and long to drink the blood of the living. When the unwitting Renfield stumbles into the castle of the infamous Count, he becomes the Count's servant. When the Count travels to England, all hell breaks loose as the evil undead monster matches wits with Professor Van Helsing in the original 1931 universal horror classic, Dracula. I'm Connor Zagari. I'm Caleb Lachey. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Filmgasm podcast. Today's pick is Caleb's pick of the cycle. It's been a long time since we covered a universal classic. Back in the early days of the show, I did a solo episode on The Wolfman. That's it. Until now, you've yet to go back to this well. Uh, nearly 200 episodes. And this is just shows the, the breadth of you know the scope of films we're talking about here. It literally is like dawn to dusk, you know? It's awesome. Uh, so, what made you pick Dracula? Uh, I've always been a sucker for the Universal Monster films. Um, I have like the big ass 30 film Blu-ray set that includes like all of them plus like their sequels and everything. And then randomly, I think it's the 40s Phantom of the Opera that's in that set. Um, I need to get, I need to check out ways to get my hands on the uh, the silent film. Um, I think it's on. I think Kino Classics did it. I know they did a bunch of stuff like Nosferatu two and Kevin Dr. Caligari. They put on Blu-ray. I'm going to pick up those. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always been a sucker for these films. Um, all of them. I, I love all of them. Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, uh, The Mummy, Invisible Man is actually probably my personal favorite because of uh, Claude Rains' incredibly unhinged performance and the fact that it gets fucking dark. Like, I remember watching that. I was like really shocked how far that film was willing to go for its time. Um, He's got the, the highest body count because of that train crash. Yeah, it's 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 really like I remember watching going, they really okayed this film, like damn. <laughs> um but when it when I was like, you know what, let's let's do this, let's do universal uh monster. And I was like, all right, but which one? And I thought, you know, if we're gonna do this, let's do it right, and let's do the one that like kickstarted that really put this on the map, which would be track of those first when they released. Um and um I'm a big fan of it. I do think a lot of the films that came out after are a lot better and I enjoy them more, but I, I, and I, cause I know you're not as into this one. This is kind of like your, your um take of like, you know, I, I mean, it happens to me, right. There's plenty of classic films of cinema that I'm just, I don't like as much as anyone else. And that's this case with you here, but I, I really enjoy this film. I really like, there's a lot of elements I like about it. And just, like I said, you know, it, Something that always bugs me is the people that like, oh, I can't watch these films. They're too corny. No, you can't place yourself in the time it came out. Like, you can't take out your modern day view set and watch this film. I can. I can sit there and watch and just go, like, marvel. You know, like, how these films were made, what they did to get this kind of stuff accomplished back then, and, like, how a lot of this laid the groundwork for things we have now. That's good. That's, you know, the, the mind of a true film buff, and you need that to do like this show, really. Um, I didn't realize that the 20s Phantom of the Opera was a hard get. Uh, I I have that in my Universal Monsters collection. Oh, no. Are you sure it's not the 40s? It's Lon Chaney Sr. It's the original. Positive about that? I was. Uh, give me a second. 
I was like, you might want to be positive about that there, buddy. Okay. Uh, returning. Have it in my set. I've got the basic collection that has uh, all the franchise starters. Uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Invisible Man, Mummy, Phantom, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and Bride of Frankenstein. So, you know, not the, the big one that you've got. Uh, well, shit. Claude Rains, huh? Yep. I, I thought I had I thought I had the Lon Chaney Jr. one or Lon Chaney Claude Sr. Rain. one. If it's in that says the Claude Rains one. The other one's not hard to get. I just need to see if Kino Classics, uh their subsidiary of Kino Warber. Uh they put a lot a lot of the um silent films out that they could get their hands on. Um, you know, that we haven't lost the time. And they may have put it out. Like I said, I know they did Nosferatu, too. They did Cabinet Dr. Caligari, which is a personal favorite silent horror film. I fucking love that movie. Um, I need to see if they did the same thing with Phantom. Just make a big purchase on all three one day. Yeah, I am very glad those films have been preserved. I mean, this year is the 100th anniversary of Nosferatu. That's that's pretty insane. Uh, the uh, You also mentioned that uh, these films also tend to go pretty far for 1930s cinema. And a big reason for that is a lot of these are pre-Hays Code. Uh, so the rules haven't hadn't been established yet. When Dracula came out, film had only really been around for like 15 years, which is crazy to think about that people back then just had never seen anything like Dracula. Uh, this was, you know, the first time, not the first appearance of Dracula on the big screen, but definitely the most iconic, the one that has become more associated with, you know, people's perception of Dracula. When you think of Dracula, you immediately think of Bela Lugosi. That's just, it's been that way since this film came out. Uh, it's an iconic performance that I would say the only person that's gotten close to matching it, and in some case, for some people, I may have bettered it, and I totally get it, and won't take that argument away from them, is uh, Christopher Lee with the Hammer films. He's the only person that's ever gotten close, if not, from some people's opinion, better. And again, I won't argue that, that stance at all. Um since Bela Lugosi, and since it, I don't think anyone's ever even gotten near those two, I've seen then. Lee's debut film, Horror of Dracula. I've seen that one, but I have not seen the sequels. He's done; he did like eight eight Dracula movies. Uh, so I definitely want to watch more of his performance because he is he is great as Dracula. Um, I bought the Frank Langella Dracula from the seventies uh, at a, at Goodwill, and I, I've been meaning to check that out. Uh, but every you know. 10 or 10, 10, 15 years, we get another attempt at Dracula. And it never quite captures what Lugosi was able to do with the character. Yeah. Well, yeah it always feels like an imitation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I, you know, I'm personally a really big fan of Lugosi's take. And it definitely for me, it started everything we know. He laid the groundwork for what we expect out of our cinematic Dracula. Um, yeah. They did do, you know, our more. Uh, they did do a recent adaptation of this, um, a BBC show called Dracula. It was like three episodes. I watched that, and they. I remember thinking like, "Ooh, okay." The first episode, I remember thinking like, "This could be really good." Because the first episode was really good, but then because the first episode took place at the castle with Renfo and everything there, second episode was entirely the boat. So I was like, "Okay, so third episode is going to be in London, right?" Third episode, yeah, but it's it like trumps ahead to the modern day. And it has this weird fucking ending about him being tied 
symbiotically with it. It's fucking, it's just a weird ending. And I was like, oh, and you dropped it. It's like you had a great first two episodes and you dropped the ball in the third episode. I definitely want to explore more uh, film iterations of Dracula towards the end of the show. But I think uh, segueing into kind of the background of Dracula is a, a good way for me to kind of express my biggest issue with this film and every uh, depiction of Dracula I've seen in cinema. Uh, Dracula is arguably the most famous movie monster of all time. I think that's a fair bet, right? Yeah, you, you could argue uh, yeah, the most famous, if not definitely top five. I mean, I think they actually said we've had more adaptations of Dracula than any other movie monster. It makes sense. I believe that. Um, it's based on the insanely popular 1897 novel by Bram Stoker. Uh, the book was then adapted to the Broadway stage in 1924 with Hungarian actor Bela Lugosi starring as Count Dracula. When the play was adapted to film, Lugosi came with it. Uh, I've read, have you, have you read Dracula? I have not been meaning to read it. I read it for a class. I took a Victorian literature class in my undergrad and I had to read Dracula and spoiler alert. It's one of the few times in my college career I've actually read the book. Uh, English degree. And uh, Dracula is a phenomenal book that has never been correctly adapted. They always fuck it up somehow. <laughs> they never, they're always trying to make like romanticize Dracula, turn him into this like long, you know, this lovelorn lost soul. In the book, he is a straight up savage. <laughs> he, there is no like lust for a long lost love. He wants nothing to do with Mina beyond ripping her apart. All he wants to do is kill and make more vampires. And I don't know why they've never just gone straight to psycho evil Dracula in a movie. Because that's what Bram Stoker wrote. That's what they did with the BBC adaptation. But then again, they they, they butchered it with that third episode. There you go. But the first two episodes, he was unhinged. Like, didn't give a shit. He just wanted to kill make more vampires. There's like a whole scene where he's in his wolf mode and he transforms in front of the fucking nuns to freak them out and like literally comes out of like, breaks out of the wolf body into his own. He's like butt naked, bloody, like it's fucking freaky and just looks at them with a smirk like, you see that shit? Let me in. I want to fuck all of you up. Shit, I gotta check out this BBC show. <laughs> That's pretty badass. But even, you know, Lugosi's Dracula is pretty close to book Dracula. You know, there's this element of just absolute horror to the character. He's not very, he's pretty one-dimensional because all he wants to do is kill, but that's Dracula. But then the side characters, you know, Mina is Dr. Seward's daughter. Harker's barely in the movie. Renfield and Harker are kind of combined. The ending is pretty anticlimactic. It's, it's just, you know, I want to see the book. Even like you know, the 92 one, Gary Oldman, they established, they put this whole subplot of him being in love with Mina because she looks like his once, you know, great love. That's horseshit. I don't want, you know, romance Dracula. I want, like you said, you know, turn it into a wolf to fuck it with some nuns. I want to see that Dracula. <laughs> so, you know, maybe one day, maybe this is, you know, maybe Nicolas Cage will be this Dracula. No, Nicholas Cage will be comedic. It's that that means supposed to be comedic, and I I don't want anything else. He's gonna be yeah, vampire pimp Dracula for sure. Just in that costume. 
Based off those images they released, you know what? Bring it on. Give it to me, Cage. Give it to me. Well, I know that um, Karen Kusama was was supposed to direct a Dracula film for the Universal Universe that the Invisible Man established. So hopefully that yeah. still happens. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. I was thinking I I'm sure it will. And um, I know, like, obviously, the only reason we're, we kind of got delayed on all the goodies that was going to be this upcoming Universal revival is because of the pandemic. Hopefully things are kind of back on track there. Well, now it's yeah. been kind of keeping quiet. Um, but they do that a lot. They don't necessarily go out and try to really like yeah. do that with their films. They let, try to let their filmmakers do their thing, leave them alone. Um, so yeah, I, I won't be surprised if Blumhouse finds a way to go more with the with the book adaptation or find a way to modernize it because I'm sure they will kind of like how they did with Invisible Man. Yeah, but I won't be surprised if that's the closest we'll get. Um, I I get where you're coming from. At the same time, like it doesn't bother me so much in this original version. Um, because yes, I do I, I mean at the end of the day, like Lugosi, I know some people can watch and be like, again, you know, people that just cannot place themselves in that time. Yeah. Well, he's not that scary. I was like, Yeah, but for 1931, he was terrifying. Well, like I'll also give you like there's creepy ass moments in this movie. And if you I mean, honestly, I I more than anything, I blame Sesame Street for why people don't find Legosi's Dracula that scary anymore. It's the fucking count. <laughs> that voice is not scary anymore. It's become a joke. I mean, you know, fucking Count Chocula is what people think of now. It's just, it's sad. But in 31, this was a real monster. He's a sadist. He's the way he walks, the way he holds himself, the way he looks at people. That's a monster. That's not a human being. And you can see that. He's, yeah. he's the saving grace. Like, I'm not going to shit on Legosi's Dracula. Absolutely not. I just think the film is a little dull, but again, they're still figuring film out. So that's, that's going to happen. And I will say this. Um, I will give you this. The film's very oddly structured. And something I think is why I say like gets fixed big time with like future uh, universal films like Frankenstein and the Mummy. I think they figured out a better structure to get those films kind of moving better. Um, so like I, I get it with Dracula. Um, like I said, this is definitely one of those things where like I, I probably forgive it a lot more because of its place in cinema and just like my love, like just very passionate love for the universal classics. Um, probably mass things that I see where I'm like, ah, oh, no, nah, it's, it's fine. So we're out of this time, you know? Yeah. That's on me. I, I, I can, I can see that. I get that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, if anything, you're more tuned in to legacy than I am, I guess, when it comes to this stuff, my, um, my personal favorite of the original universal lineup is the Wolfman. I think that movie is almost flawless. I think it's a phenomenal film. Wonderful movie. Uh, Juan Chaney Jr. So just sad, you know, just this, he's there to like for, you know, his brother's estate. He gets bit by a wolf. It's out of his control. He doesn't want to be this monster. He plays that so well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the monster is genuinely scary, even though he is strangling people, which is kind of weird, but you know, it's 1941. What are you going to do? But yeah, I, I think that's the, that's my favorite one. Uh, I still have not seen Creature from the Black Lagoon, so I can't speak for that. Yeah, but, I still need to watch that too. It's in the set, so yeah, it's in my set too, and I'm sure of that this time. <laughs> uh, I really didn't know that. That's a bummer. Yeah, I was like, no, it's the Universal Monsters, and that Phantom's not part of that. Yeah, that's a shame. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm sure this this 40s one is good too. I mean, I watched that. It's Claude Rains, and if it's anything like his performance in Invisible Man, yeah, yeah, I'm continuously wowed by the special effects in the Invisible Man. That was 1933. How the hell did they pull that off and have it there's still look good? There's a lot of special effects in like that in the Wolfman where I'm like, how do these how they pull this off? How does it still look so good? Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, I'm glad that you uh, convinced me to watch that Boris Karloff documentary on Shutter because I got to see some insight into the production of Frankenstein, which was really cool. Uh, I love that they just stumbled onto Karloff. They're like, we need a giant, weird-looking guy with a square head. Where are we going to find him? Turns out he's he's already there. <laughs> just walking around the commissary waiting for somebody to notice him. I would love if like, he asked, someone asked that, and they turn around and they're like, oh, hey, would you look at that? Right over there. <laughs> he's like, he's the guy getting coffee orders. Like, is that going to be uh, going to be with cream or sugar? Like, wait a minute. You're perfect. <laughs> Do you want to be a star? That's a, I feel like that's a scary question in Hollywood these days. Do you want to be a star? Dude, that or being a comedian. I would not want to be a comedian nowadays. Dear fucking God. I know. <laughs> you can get bitch slapped on live television. Right? <laughs> and then it becomes a big discourse online. They just, oh, God. Um, <laughs> no, you know what? And you know what's cool when I watched that documentary on Karloff, like how I I mean I knew like first I already knew like that scene with the kid and Frankenstein Frankenstein was incredibly controversial. The fact that that like they put that in the film, I was like, holy shit! For like 1931, um, I did not realize like how against it Karloff was. Like when they were talking about that, like how he really fought to not have it in there. And I'm like, I get where you're coming from, but I also understand why they wanted that scene in because it. It tells you a lot about the monster in that scene. I thought it was pretty fucked up how James Whale like got back at him for standing up to to the director like later on in the production. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was weird. Yeah, uh, like, God bless your actor. Just actually wants to collaborate and be like, hey, I think this is why we shouldn't do it. Have you ever seen the movie Gods and Monsters? No, it's a biopic of James Whale. Uh, like during and after the production of Frankenstein, because he was openly gay. I don't know if you knew that. Mm-hmm. I knew that. Uh, yeah. Ian McKellen plays James Whale, and he got an Oscar nomination for it in '98. I've always wanted to see this movie. Brendan Fraser's in it. Hey, yeah, Fraser, my dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to see that. Um, have you seen Ed Wood? No, but that's been on my list of things to see. I've been really wanting to see that movie. That movie is so interesting in the way it portrays Lugosi. Because it's Lugosi at the end of his at the end of his life, when he's kind of been abandoned by Hollywood, because he was a you know they saw him as a one trick pony. It's like you're just you're Dracula, and if you don't want to play Dracula, you can fuck off. We got Karloff now, and Ed Wood, you know the the proclaimed worst director of all time, found Lugosi and gave him work, and Lugosi got to make movies. They weren't great movies, but he got to do something. And Martin Landau plays Lugosi, and he is phenomenal, like uncanny amazing performance uh won an oscar for it well deserved but i recommend checking out ed wood it's just such a weird little story just ed wood's tale of like the people he brought together to make plan nine from outer space oh yeah yeah crazy it might be tim burton's masterpiece that's what i hear from a lot of people um it, it is like if you were to like i always implore people when it comes to like these people like uh lon cheney um 
senior and junior. I would say especially junior if you want to keep within the universal monster realm. Um, Boris Karloff, Miller, go see, like, looking at their careers, like, you know, you always hear about, like, actually going to be typecast, you know, now. But you know what? Now, if you get typecast, you get work still. And if you don't get typecast, you still get work. I was like, back then, though, like, I didn't want anyone look into their histories. Like, Karloff got really lucky a lot of the times was able to keep going in some capacity. Like, go see that poor guy. After this, he just got shafted because, like you said, he was adamant about, like, I want to do other stuff, not just play Dracula. And they're like, well, we want you to play Dracula. <laughs> yep. I mean, Lugosi turned down Frankenstein because he thought the role of the monster was beneath him. He thought it was, you know, this lumbering oaf of a creature, and he's this great Hungarian stage actor. Why would I play a, an oaf like the monster? And, you know, kind of shot himself in the foot because Karloff got that role, became a superstar. <laughs> mm-hmm. And started taking roles from, from Lugosi inadvertently uh, i mean the, the movie ed wood plays up their beef a little bit more than it was i don't think it was that serious i mean they they co-starred in a lot of films together in the movie there's a scene in ed wood where uh some guy's asking lugosi for an autograph and he says like i loved you in that picture with karloff and he goes karloff fuck you and like throws the pen at him it's like it starts freaking out <laughs> so i don't think it was that serious <laughs> i think the studio for some do a lot of movies together yeah, definitely. That's also the thing. Back then, as an actor, you did not call the shots. The studio told you where you were going to work. Yeah. And you signed a contract with MGM or with Universal or RKO, and they owned your ass. It was, it's a crazy way of making films. Like, we don't think, you know, I, I'd argue these days the actors call the shots. If you're big enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as we, as we kind of saw the leaking, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Back then, you know, it was, you know, Louis B. Mayer, David O. David O. Selznick, who's gonna bitch slap the comedian on the on stage and get away with it. Yeah. Or at this point, well, not at this point exactly, but later on, Carl uh uh Limley, you could argue because of what he did with these universal monsters and what he did for Universal with this, like he fucking gave them so much money. Yeah. And also, let's talk for just a minute about how progressive and uh, like the foresight of creating a cinematic universe before anybody had ever even thought about doing that. You know, everyone credits Marvel with that with that uh, revelation, but no, no, no. Universal did that in the 30s. Yeah, no one. But again, it's because people can't fathom anything beyond a certain fucking period. And it seems like the older we get, like the the decades get like more and more closer to us right like i hear more people now like can you shit that's in the like the 70s because it's too cool i'm like oh my god it's getting just worse i can't i'm not looking for a day that people can't do shit in the 80s and 90s because it's too corny i'm gonna be like fuck me when that happens i'll say this the 80s is corny as shit now but i fucking love it i love the 80s films um But, uh, yeah, like, no one talks about it because, like, again, people just can't get past it. But, yeah, like, Universal Monsters, like, that, there's a reason there's the two different sets. Like, the one that you got and the one that I got, which the only reason I even got it was because I actually was, they, like, Amazon had slashed it down to, like, 60, 70 bucks. And I was like, well, that's not going to stay like that for long. So, like, I jumped on it while I could. Um, Mine was a gift. <laughs> not that I didn't want to own these movies. It just, if it would have been up to me, I would have bought the one that you have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and the reason it's like that is because all these films got connected to the point that like 
two of the biggest comedians of that time, Abbott Costello, did fucking team up films with these guys, with these monsters. Yeah. Like that's how big this crossover thing got. So in all honesty, it started here. Like they actually did a shared universe of all these monsters popping up in each other's movies. I think this is the first franchise ever. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's awesome. There is groundwork laid in this film. Like um when Dracula isn't transforming into a real wolf, they have several a couple of scenes where you hear a wolf in the background. Well, they like in the very beginning they mentioned like you know watch out for the the wolf sounds or nine or whatever like they're already laying groundwork of like there's more than just this vampire out there i love that they don't show us shit i love that they're like look at that it's a giant wolf and they don't they show us people looking at the wolf <laughs> like the yeah, budget of this thing was so ridiculously cheap they could just i mean and for that you know what they accomplished with like what barely 300 grand yeah. Well done. I love that when they're like, the strangest thing happened. What is it? A big old wolf just ran across the lawn and fucking Van Helsing, he knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he's kind of talking down to everybody. Like, you don't even know about vampires. Like, yeah. what do you got to say about anything? Doctor, fuck love- you. Vampires. <laughs> I love how quick he is, how open he is at first. Like, it's clearly a vampire. <laughs> like, oh, oh nobody, I guess. Sorry, I didn't think of that one, Van Helsing. Yeah, Fuck I love it. Me. Nobody really gives him a, like, are you are you kidding me? Like, they're just like, yeah. but such a creature does not exist in the medical journals. Like, <laughs> uh, you can tell this was a play. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it was adapted from a play. Yeah. Oh, boy. So. Uh, real quick, Dracula was directed by Todd Browning, who also directed Freaks, a film I've always wanted to see. I've heard that is one of the most just insanely like d- disturbing and uncomfortable films because of its subject matter and how like it's just so exploitative and nobody batted an eye in the 30s. <laughs> but uh, you know, you can't make that movie now. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, I want to check it out. I know American Horror Story Freak Show is heavily indebted to that movie, that particular season in American Horror Story. Um, but I've been meaning to watch that. That would be... I'd love to do that on the show if we can find it. It's not streaming exactly. anymore. I've looked for it. Uh, I thought it was on HBO Max there for a bit. Oh, well, I guess, I guess the search is over. I hope you're right. I would like to watch Freaks. I don't think Freaks is as hard to find as you're thinking. Well, last time I looked for it, I couldn't find it. So maybe it's been a while. To be honest, it's been a minute since I hunted it down. (laughs) Uh, Todd Browning was one of the earliest film directors in Hollywood, uh, with his earliest gig being the 1915 short film, The Lucky Transfer. His first film was in 1915. That's, wow, that's 107 years ago. That's that blows my mind. Like film seems so recent, but also so far away at the same time. It's this weird turning point in history, I think. Um, Yeah. Browning died in 1962 at 82 years old following a stroke. And Dracula is the film he's most associated with. Makes sense. I can I can see why he's most associated with this one. Yeah, I was looking through the rest of his filmography. Did nothing else really stood out apart from freaks. 
Uh, and that happens. You know, not everybody's going to make more than two classics. Yeah. I mean, he has, he has one that's literally to the test of time. It's getting transferred still into four, uh, Blu-ray. I think they have a 4K of that, of your set. I believe those are 4K of that. So, like, it, I mean, it's still getting widely distributed now, so. And it did look amazing on Blu-ray. The transfer is gorgeous. I will, I will say that. Oh, yeah, they did a good job. Bella Lugosi plays Count Dracula, the role he will be associated with until the end of time. He, it's, he could never get away from that. Uh, he reprised the role only one other time in 1948's Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein alongside Lon Chaney Jr. as the Wolfman and Glenn Strange as Frankenstein's monster. How cool it would have been if Karloff had returned for that. Yeah, I, I know Karloff was hard to get to come back to that because he really hated the makeup process. Yeah, could have, could have gotten the big three. Like, I think, yeah, the only time. <laughs> That would have been amazing. But you know, not to disparage Glenn Strange. He did a good job. Mm. Uh, that movie's funny as hell. I watch that every Halloween. I, I love Adam Costello meet Frank. I, I, I actually, I really need to watch Adam Costello too much because I haven't seen any of them and I hear they're pretty funny. Uh, Fra- this one is the best one. Frankenstein is their 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 masterpiece. A lot of people don't like Abbott and Costello meet the mummy. I think it's funny as hell. Uh, so I recommend that one. Um, and those are the only two I've seen. I have not watched the rest of them. But they did like 30 movies, like not just all, you know, only the last few were horror meetups. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, was, I only just kind of care about the horror ones they did. So you don't want to watch Buck Privates come home? Nope. <laughs> uh, you, you like this. The uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. There's a cameo by the Invisible Man. And the Invisible Man is voiced by Vincent Price. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That was neat. Of course, later they made Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man, and uh, sadly, it was not Vincent Price, but still. Ah, yeah. Okay. Um, damn it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lugosi, alongside Cheney and Boris Karloff, is considered one of the all-time cinematic icons of classic horror. Some of his other most well-known films include The Black Cat, Island of Lost Souls, Son of Frankenstein, and his later work with director Ed Wood that included Glenn or Glenda and Plan 9 from Outer Space. Lugosi died in 1956 at 73 years old from a heart attack brought on by uh, a heroin dependency problem. And uh, yeah, he was just kind of tossed aside, which is a damn shame. Dracula was a big hit for Universal. He played, you know, Eeyore in Son of Frankenstein, did some, you know, non-Dracula vampire movies, and then just left uh basically because you know i think universal was looking for a new lon cheney they thought they had it in lugosi turns out it was karloff which is a just ah i get why if he did hate him i get it (laughs) yeah it's 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 a really tragic kind of story with lugosi if you look into like his uh his whole like life post tracula um but as far as the role of tracula itself he is still to say my favorite take on the character. What he did for that role, what he brought to it is just it's it's iconic. It's become iconic. From the the way he walks, the way he moves his hands to his uh his speech his speech uh mannerism, like he he brought a lot to that character. I love it. The way he talks is like huh. this is clearly not a man who interacts with people. 
Like he doesn't have conversational skill because he's not a human being. He's, he's a monster that looks like a human being. And there's constantly little, you know, moments in his performance that remind you of that. And for, to have that awareness in 1931, when film is just figuring itself out, that alone deserves eternal praise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Enough cannot be said on what he did. So at the end of the day, everyone's trying to be Lugosi when they take on Dracula. And if they're not trying to be Lugosi, like I said, the other one would probably be Christopher Lee. But this is OG. This is what people have strived to. And I, as much as I do think Christopher Lee did a real great job with the role, I don't think anything's ever going to top Lugosi. He brought so much to this role. It's become iconic. People quote the way he talks all the time. You know, you hear people always trying to like match that tone of voice and his delivery all the time when it comes to Dracula. It's just I yeah, like I I I love seeing him in the role. For a huge reason I like the movie so much is because of him. Absolutely. In fact, you know, it's it's difficult for actors to bring themselves like bring their own take to Dracula because the character is so tied to Lugosi's performance and image. It's, it's crazy. I, I can't think of any other character that has that kind of like longevity and attachment. I would uh, say give it a few years and we could potentially see someone like Chucky or uh, Freddy Krueger have that. Cause we've seen, we're like trying to get someone else to play those roles. Fans don't like it already. So I'd say that'd be the closest we get, but obviously we got to wait a couple more decades here for that to see if it holds. But I would say those might those those two have a chance of getting there for sure. True, true. Next up, we got Dwight Fry, who plays Renfield, Dracula's servant. Fry played Doctor Frankenstein's assistant, Fritz, in the original Frankenstein, and Carl in Bride of Frankenstein. He died in 1943 at only 44 years old from a heart attack. And he is great in this. Renfield is creepy as hell in this movie. Yeah, and he he's actually just like, well, this is my Dracula. This is my favorite take on Renfield. I think Bright Fry has done it the best for this character. You know, jury's out, obviously, on what Nicholas Holt's bringing next year with that movie. Um, but I think, yeah, like you said, he makes this character so creepy. Um, and... And I and I mean this is an actor that did so good as fucking um, Igor and fucking Frankenstein that you know that's who they that's who they were mocking in fucking Young Frankenstein like that's the performance they were making fun of. Igor, yeah. I, why not Igor? Because it's Igor. My grandfather used to work for your grandfather. Of course, the rates have gone up. What happened to your hump? What hump? I love Young Frankenstein so much. What what brain did you get? Abby Normal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I we did that on the show a long time ago. I would love to just do it again because it was so much fun. Oh dude, 10 out of 10 film. Like Young Frankenstein is up there like that and Black uh, Blazing Saddles, there we go, are like my two favorite Mel Brooks films. Like I go back to those all the time. Well, I love that a lot of people consider Young Frankenstein to be like the one true sequel to Frankenstein, <laughs> which is awesome. I'll take that. 
That's a great double yeah. feature. Could be worse. Could be raining. <laughs> I quote that so much in life. When someone I hear someone be like, "Oh God, this could, this is so bad." I'm like, well, it could be worse. It could be raining, guys. And usually, I don't get much response to it. Don't get it. But those who have seen the movie, they smile. They get it. They understand. It, it has become a reactionary impulse to me when somebody says werewolf i instinctively go their wolf <laughs> <laughs> their castle <laughs> beautiful <laughs> oh boy um i there's moments in like i didn't catch it the first time i was watching this i think the first time i'd seen this i hadn't read the book yet I hadn't seen a lot of Dracula adaptations. I'm still pretty new to, you know, this whole era of film. So I wasn't paying as much attention. Uh, this time there's moments like when they find the crew of the ship dead and Renfield is just in the, in the uh, below deck, just staring <laughs> at the cops with this creepy grin. I got chills. Like that was, that was good. It's a creepy moment. Like, <clears throat> like I said, they, they go for it. Even in this, they don't, there are scenes in later universal like uh, monster films that really go for it, but like they do it here too, where like they go for it occasionally. And yeah, when you see them in like that scene, like that animalistic, like laughing, whatever noise he's making, it's, just, it's unnerving. It's like a laughing sigh. Ah, like some, I can't do it. It's creepy as hell. Yeah, it's but it's it's very unnerving. His whole character arc is it's just incredibly unnerving the whole like i just want to please you master and i'm like oh my god i in terms of favorite renfield i gotta say i i don't care that much for coppola's adaptation but i do have a soft spot for tom waits as renfield i did like him i like tom waits a lot he's just so weird okay ah um helen chandler plays mina harker uh dracula's intended victim she was also in Goodbye Again, Dance Hall Hostess, Salvation Nell, and other films in a brief 11-year career. She died in 1965 at 59 years old following surgery complications. And I will argue, apart from Dracula and Renfield, the rest of the cast really doesn't pop for me. I would say apart from those two and Van Helsing, the rest of the cast is good. Okay, I'll give you Van Helsing. There's something, I like his arrogance. Just like, of yeah. course it's vampires, you dumb shit. Why would it be anything else? <laughs> I wish more in movies where like the, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going on, like a ghost movie or an alien movie. I wish there were more people who were just confidently like, of course it's a ghost. What else could it be? <laughs> God damn idiot. At, at one point, they just he's just wearing the shops. Don't patronize me. Like, like I wish in the Conjuring, the Warrens were just like, "Your house is haunted, you idiots!" Like, are you even paying attention? <laughs> Why are you still living here? Get out, Jesus! That'll be three hundred dollars. Take you so long to leave, Jesus Christ! I want more. I want an entire subgenre of just angry exorcists, just like. Why, am, why do I have to do this? You should have done this. Like, it's obviously your daughter's possessed by a demon. Do you have a Bible? I mean, Jesus Christ. What, what more do you need? <laughs> I, would, I would watch the shit out of that. They so helped them, but they're really grumpy about it. 
they're begrudgingly they're just like kind of mumbling their way through it like she's fine mail, mail me the check <laughs> oh boy um <laughs> edward van sloan plays van helsing the self-proclaimed vampire hunter Van Sloan also appeared in Frankenstein, The Mummy, and Dracula's Daughter. He died in 1964 at 81 years old from undisclosed reasons. And uh, I love that this guy just kept popping up in these. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna say he's necessarily my favorite Van Helsing, but I, I like him a lot, and I like the take on like, because you know, like nowadays Van Helsing is like, I would say they do like the huge driving route with that that particular movie where he's like this badass that can take anything down. I like that you know that this guy's a scholar that just <laughs> really believes in all this shit. <laughs> and, and I, yeah, we need to bring that side of it back. I love the, the idea that like Dracula's arch arch enemy is not this like fallen angel with you know Hugh Jackman's locks and like weaponry, and he's like kicking doc, you know Mister Hyde off of a off a church. He's just you know this little old guy with a cane who has done a lot of reading. Yeah. I like that. And gets the upper hand because of his academia smarts. <laughs> uh, Dracula has an IMDb score of 7.4, Rotten Tomatoes score of 94%. With a budget of around $300,000, it scored a box office gross of around $700,000, making it Universal's most profitable film of 1931. Which God, how standards for success have changed. Right, especially because you have in 1931, that was the Great Depression. So for them, that was like, I, I, I don't know. I would say, what, it was like a billion maybe, close to it. For like I don't know if it's that high. Inflation. Let's, let's, let's find out. I'm going to do, all right, adjust it for I'm not gonna, look, I Look, we both went to the Texas education system. I'm an idiot, so I don't know inflation math. A billion dollars seems high. All right. I feel like, what if I'm on, like, right on the money? What if I lowballed it? <laughs> $300,000. In 1931, today is about five is about $5 dollars. Okay, so then so seven hundred dollars. I told you, math not strong suit. This movie made twelve million dollars, so seven million dollar profit, roughly. I was way, I was way high. I was way shooting that one, but still good, still very, very good. Especially yeah. if you kind of like what you like said, this is 15 years of filmmaking at this point. Films are very, you know, new burgeoning thing. The country is in the, the very beginnings of the Great Depression. So the fact that they made with all that in the series, that is like pretty fucking spectacular for that time. Again, that is, people wanted to see this. People wanted to, you know, escape their dismal ass lives with Dracula. <laughs> yeah, life's depressing. So let me go watch this vampire movie. I can't even drink without getting arrested. <laughs> Let me have my movie. It's all I've got. <laughs> the economy has collapsed. The, there's rumors of a war going on on the other side of the country. It's illegal to drink. Let me have my movie. <laughs> Just let me have it. Oh, boy. So let's discuss some highlights from Dracula. Um, it's a quick film. It's only an hour 15 long. I appreciate that. I love a between like, you know, an hour to an hour 40. That's the sweet spot. Uh, yes. Well, and that's like the beauty of like, again, for those who can like 
set aside your living in the now, right, and watch older films. You're what if you're tired of like these two two and a half hour epics that we seem to get all the time. Watch older films, especially around this era. Like they almost none of them even hit an hour and a half. They are short fucking movies. Yeah, that film is expensive. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we open with a grandiose and creepy score. The only bit of music in the film, really. Yeah, um, I do. Which is interesting because there's a there's a cut of this you can play, which has I think a 1988-1998 score attached to it that someone did as like a retrospective type thing. Yeah, I remember the Philip Glass, the guy who did a uh, Candyman. Yeah, um, I I don't do that. Preferably, it's kind of like the same. It's like. Um, when I watched my Raid Blu-ray, right, you can do the audio to what's like mixed to like Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park had done the score. I'm like, no, just give me the original thing. So I'm 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 a purist in that regard. I'm like, just give me what it was as it came out. Yeah, um, I'm the same way. I don't even watch uh, colorized films. I won't do that either. Yeah, like it's like no, just give me how you did it when it was coming out. Um, but what we do get here, I really really do like. I actually think the score is actually really good. What they do play. Well. I found this hilarious. Uh, A, it was also used in The Mummy. Same music. And B, this is Swan Lake. <laughs> it's, a, and it's an excerpt from the ballet Swan Lake because it was public domain and the budget on this film was tight. Well, it works for this film. It does work. It's creepy and it's like ethereal. And you're like, you're about to watch a dark fantasy. It's got this vibe. And I, I like that. I was like, this is cool. And I looked at it with like, oh, they just, they stole it from a ballet. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it makes us well to me with the productions on this film. Cause I actually think along with Cinematic Universes, this film was like a big beginning to gothic horror and how like a lot of the set design is made and the architecture of the buildings. It's a lot of gothic horror elements in this movie. Oh yeah. This is a trailblazer for a lot. I mean, you know, you look at films in the 20s and a lot of it was just, you know, a solitary camera, people walk in front of it, people, you know, overact with their hands because it was silent film. Only a couple directors were experimenting with camera angles and shadows and production design and really trying to create something. And, you know, F.W. Murnau and Charlie Chaplin are two that come to mind from the silent era. And then you got a guy like Todd Browning, who I'm sure was influenced, especially by Murnau's Nosferatu to create a vampire story of his own that's going to stand out and i i love that he went the extra mile on that mm-hmm. um dracula's intro well before we get to dracula's intro i love renfield's encounters with the townspeople of transylvania who are all just like there's a vampire up there like he's killing people you like he'll make you an undead and he's like i don't know about that yeah how open people are like dude you're going to die and he's like I'd be like, okay, well, let's take this back a minute. <laughs> Why are we jumping to this? Uh, I um, we uh, we had some fa- we have fa- uh, some family in Germany who uh, like we knew uh, he was uh, a Romanian guy who I think like how do I explain this? My extended German family's ex-husband. There we go. Fredo. He's a nice guy. Well, and uh, he was Romanian and he uh, wanted to take us to the original Castle Dracula. 
like the real one, Vlad the Impaler's castle. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm, I'm still going to try to make that happen. I want to go there. That should be haunted as fuck. Oh, you kidding me? The amount of blood spilled there? Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> the amount of horrific death that happened in there. There's no way. Yeah. Vlad <laughs> was a, a cruel, cruel human being. I, honestly, I think he's way more sadistic than the vampire that was based on him. Yeah, <laughs> pretty crazy. <laughs> I don't um, think he was arguing that point. Oh, you know what? 2022, someone's going to argue that point. What, who am I fucking kidding? <laughs> if, if Twitter has taught me anything, people will fucking argue anything to a goddamn death. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. Um, but these townsfolk are like, Look, can we invite you to stay another night so you don't have to travel up there in the night because you will die? Like they're very much like this is not a maybe. Like he's gonna get you. Yeah, I love it. They're just like, look, man, if you're going there, you need to do it during the day. It's like, but you want to do it at night, you're fucked. <laughs> when they ask, like, where are you going? He's like, Castle Dracula. They're like, up there, Dracula, Castle Dracula. He's a vampire. <laughs> he's just so matter of fact. Like, how don't you know this? Yeah, we know this. We always get inside before night hits. I do love later on when the coachman is taking him to meet Dracula's coach and he just flings his luggage out, flings him out, and then just keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Also, when he's like looking out the window, be like, driver, and it's just a bat, but no one's driving it. And Renfield just does the most logical thing. He just sits back and all and like, oh shit, what do I do now? Like, well, I mean, to be fair, I don't know what I'd do in that situation. If I'm in a coach, I look out, the driver's not there, and there's a bat leading the horses. Like, I don't do I jump out? Do I wait to see how this unfolds? Like, what, what happens here? What's the social etiquette for this? What do I do with my hands? <laughs> uh, Dracula's introduction is creepy because it's just a hand coming out of a coffin. And then just him standing straight up, staring at the camera. Uh, I think the lack of score in this film does hold it back at times, but also it really traps you in the movie, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate. Yeah, I think this is one of the few times where I get both sides of the argument. Obviously, like, you know, score would help make it nice and moody. But at the same time, there's something about not having it that's kind of unsettling. Because at that point, you're really relying on your actors big time to sell this shit. Oh, yeah. And then when Renfield meets the Count, just straight up, I am Dracula. <laughs> just no no pleasantries. I love that. Just... Yeah. And the way, again, man, Lon, uh, Lon Chaney, Bela Lugosi's delivery, the way he never, like, he doesn't, the way he finishes sentences, there's always a pause before that last word. <laughs> I am Dracula. It's almost like, like way- now you say something. <laughs> this is how conversation works. <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> he's he's trying to put on this like nice, pleasant face, right? Up front, pleasantries. And I love how open he is about like the shittiness of his castle. Like he's just so open, like foundations gone, but still a mighty castle. <laughs> <laughs> One of my one of the coolest little moments for me is when he walks through the cobwebs and does not disturb them. 
That is creepy as hell. Oh yeah. And I, then, especially when Renfield like slices him up open, you're like, oh okay, that wasn't an illusion. He walked through that shit like a ghost. Yeah, it didn't bother him. I uh, I love after they have their little like little meeting with each other, like and again you can hear a roll wolf again in the background, which they make reference to earlier. Um and I love his comment when you hear the wolves like, don't you love the sounds they make at night? Yeah, it's become one of the most, uh, it's uh, it was listed as one of the most iconic film quotes of all time. Listen to them, children of the night, what music yeah. they make. It's like, <laughs> Oh, it's like, he's already setting off a creepy mood because he doesn't know how to be human. Um, and then I love when, you know, Renfro's at his desk and he's doing me like, oh no, it's great. I like this desk. And like he actually cuts himself, and that look that Dracula gets instantly. It's hypnotic. Uh, it is interesting. The movie doesn't really address why Renfield's there. Uh, but if you read the book, it's Harker who's in this position. And he's there basically to draw up like a family tree for Dracula, like so he can establish lineage in Transylvania and then buy property in England. Yeah. And it's so basic like he, even dracula needs a needs a like a, an estate lawyer yeah well, i mean <laughs> 1800s or whatever this you know supposed to be taking place in you know, a different time um but this just makes me laugh that he's not trying to take anything he's trying to like get all of his business arranged legally and then kill a bunch of people <laughs> yeah he's done with messing with the people of transylvania they know what who he is so now he has to move on to a new stopping ground. Oh, works out, kind of. Uh, later on, when Dracula goes to England, a scene that made me laugh was when he goes to the, the, um, the play, or I think it was the ballet, the stage production, and an usher with a flashlight like, checks his ticket and leads him to a, to a seat. But she's just leading Dracula to his his seat he's like you got you got a ticket there sir <laughs> yeah <laughs> Maybe. i was like this is a weird situation <laughs> he's, he's on a break man yes he, he has his nights off <laughs> yeah i wonder like what does dracula do in his spare time apparently he takes in a show he, he likes shows <laughs> yes he does he's a man about town <laughs> uh, but yeah the the transformation of Renfield into this like just weird little snake man who's so painfully loyal to Dracula. Mm-hmm. Just begging him like, please, can I eat some bugs? And Dracula's like, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I don't know if I can get you bugs, man. You're asking a lot. <laughs> just gives him this look of like, how dare you speak to me? <laughs> it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I love how he gets Renfield, which is like the whole like scares him with the bat. <laughs> and then like I love how his like his daughters or whatever are coming in to get him and he just shoots them away with his hand just no I eat first the brides yeah yeah I do love that like you know he's the alpha like they're animals it's <laughs> that was a nice touch yeah. like I said like I know like obviously in the book he's more vicious but like I like the idea that like in this one he is vicious but he's trying to mask it by pretending to be this noble person and be like, well, no, I'm above you, so you don't eat yet. I have my blood first, and then you can have some. 
in the book, he tries to drive Harker mad first. He's like crawling outside his window and like Harker sees him. And then he's like, oh shit. And then Dracula will come in the door like, what? What is wrong? He's like, I thought you, but he's like, what? Did you see something? You must be seeing things, Mr. Harker. Like he really like just tries to drive him completely fucking nuts first. And it's creepy. The, the way it's written, he's just like looking out the window and he sees just crawling up the fucking wall. Dracula. This is a good read, man. It's a good read. In, in today's world, someone pull out a gun and shoot immediately. Because <laughs> you're trying to fall. <laughs> now that we've taken care of that. <laughs> uh, one question I do have. How did Dracula get into Lucy's home? Because isn't he supposed to be invited first? Well, this movie does not establish that. I, didn't I, know, even remember. I know, but it should. But it doesn't. But it's by, the, by this movie's logic, he doesn't have to be invited in. That makes them so much scarier. If they could just come get you. The, the one thing that kept me from being afraid of vampires as a kid was the fact that you got to invite them into your house. Yeah, just don't invite them in. Just Now, granted, the horror is that they can keep fucking with you until you finally break. Which yeah. is roughly something that was, I believe, explored in Salem's Lot. Uh, where they just were terrorizing them until they finally fucking broke. Yeah, or you do the Fright Night remake way where you just rip out the gas line and blow the place up. Yeah, you just get rid of the house. Yeah. <laughs> Colin Farrell was very efficient that night. That's cooking with gas right there, literally. Uh, yeah, so Dracula's in town, starts fucking with the locals, going after the hot ladies, as we all would. He does kill that flower girl, which I thought was unnecessarily violent. Like, she was really nice. She just wanted to give you a flower. Flower for your buttonhole. You're really, uh, you're really offended by this. You stand strong by this. I'm not offended. I was just like, she just wanted to give you a flower, man. You've been in town, what, five minutes? <laughs> She's saying hello, you dick. You don't even, like, hide it. You just kill her in the middle of the street and keep walking. You don't dispose of the body, nothing. That was the equivalent of you getting like a like a gas station slurpee on your way home. <laughs> that's, that's not nice. God. <laughs> yeah, it was just like you can eat and run, man. Like, damn. <laughs> so after you know, Mina starts exhibiting weird traits. Because she gets bit. We never actually see the wound. We're just told she's got two dots, like two injuries on her neck. We're told we're told a lot more than what we're shown. I I wonder if you could ever get away with doing a movie like that today. Just tell no. people like, can you? Oh my god, you believe that? Look look what you, look what that is. I haven't seen it, but I think the closest we got to that was like it comes tonight, and that pissed so many people off. Yeah, including me. So yeah, good point. You can't do it. We need to be shown everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they go to this, they go to, you know, Dr. Seward's like, my daughter, what do I do? So they go to talk to Professor Van Helsing. Yeah. Oh, no. hmm? What do we do? Oh, we have a guy in mind. He's all about this life. <laughs> I'm just picturing some a family friend like lights up a cigarette, like, I got a guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's a bit ex- <laughs> it's like he's a bit eccentric but he might have some good ideals here. 
smash cut to vampires. <laughs> Some reason uh, I had it being Nicolas Cage being like, it's vampires. And the doctor just like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> it's like, are you deaf, man? Vampires. Clearly. He's just look, he's looking at the other guy like, you have a guy, huh? Just hear him out. <laughs> I wonder if like it'd be funny if like every single time Van Helsing was wrong. It was never actually vampires. And this one time he's like, oh boy, I've never gotten this far. <laughs> I don't know why for, for a second there I was thinking of your Loomis joke when we were watching Halloween <laughs> I don't know why well you know all great doctors come from you know great lineage maybe Loomis is like an American version of Van Helsing I don't know <laughs> yeah maybe at least in you know the movies and what you came up with, he's he's a he's a he's a sex fiend going after Michael. This is such a deep inside joke. There's no way anybody listening to this is gonna get it. No, I don't, I don't it, care. It, I don't know why it broke me when you did that. I was dying laughing. That was that was a fond memory. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, yeah, I like how like they go to Van Helsing. Not only is he like very upfront, very, very upfront, immediately just like, look, you're dealing with a vampire, right? The signs are clearly there. All right. I don't know what you idiots think you're dealing with. It's a vampire. Only a woman bitten by a vampire will be slightly more tired and pale. <laughs> I, love, I love how he he like academically kind of puts them down and they just go, You're right, it must be a vampire. I think, like, at most, like, there's one big, like, set line said about, like, oh, really? We're going, really? A vampire? And he's like, why, yes. A, vam- a vampire. And they're like, okay, we have to we have to do what he says. We What what do we do? And I'm like, man, you guys really, like, back then just were, like, quick to be like, yep, vampire. Let's do it. Let's take care of business. I think he just wears people down. I mean, if the guy's not going to even consider another possibility, if he's just going to throw out vampire. I mean, I would I would want to see where it goes. I mean, you've got nothing to lose. The doctors don't know what's wrong with her. So let's see what the kook has to say. How far do you go with that? Though? Like, what if he's wrong and he's like getting ready to stake your daughter? And you're just like, nope, let's see how this goes. In the book, there's another character. Uh, I don't remember his name, but he's a rich millionaire from Texas who's there to court i think he's, he's lucy's husband or somebody and he's all he's there and he's kind of like well i don't believe this for a second <laughs> and like ends up being like part of the team to go take down the count it's i wish he was there but uh one of the ways they try to save mina in the book is or lucy one of them is they keep giving them blood transfusions <laughs> like not even thinking about it just like van helsing does it then dr seward does it and Harker does it, and the Texas guy does it, and they're like, it's not taken, so they just keep giving her transfusions, and I'm like, whatever she's got, you are fucking it up way more. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know the human body can only take so much blood there, guys, like... <laughs> yeah, and of course it doesn't work. I love that the dude from Texas is like, I tell you what, there ain't no way in tarnation, it's a vampire. The Texas stereotype has been around since the beginning. <laughs> yeah. It's 
Will you listen to me, boys, as he's hiking his fucking like belt buckle up? What we got here is some psychopath, some deviant that we have got to poo-poo first before we do your your foolhardy blood transfusions. Let me see if I can find his name. Uh he says poo-poo. He doesn't he doesn't say shoot. He has his six shooters on him. Jack In my head, he's a fucking cowboy right now. In my head, it's a fucking full-blown cowboy. Quincy Morris. That's his name. In my head, he's a full-blown cowboy. He's, he's a rich, rich young American from Texas, one of the three men who proposed to Lucy. So there's a whole subplot about Lucy courting a bunch of different men, and this rich guy well, from Texas is one of them. Well, guess what? This rich guy in Texas is all cowboy regalia. He's doing the whole turn to the thing and spitting into a spittoon that just keeps popping out of nowhere. <laughs> They um apparently and I forgot about this at the end of the book spoiler alert but it's been a hundred years so I don't feel bad. Uh, Quincy dies fighting Dracula, and Mina and Harker name their kid Quincy after him. Oh, because he's like I'm gonna avenge my girl. You think he says something like Remember the Alamo? <laughs> Before you fought the vampire. <laughs> He just does like a yeah, like super extended, like nine E's. Just runs up to Dracula, starts fucking him up. Pulls out a lasso. Ropes his ass up. I would, that would be amazing. <laughs> I hope in Renfield, Dracula, Nick Cage Dracula starts waxing poetic about this crazy Texan who almost killed him. Oh boy! Oh god damn it! I can't. <laughs> oh, the yeehaw really broke me. <laughs> oh. oh god! One of my favorite moments is when Dracula immediately breaks character when Van Helsing pulls out the mirror. He's just like oh, ah, and smacks yeah, that yeah. shit like it badmouthed his wife at an award show. <laughs> Gotta stay relevant. Oh god damn it. Uh no, I, I like that whole scene. First off, I like how just smug Van Helsing is. Like when Dracula comes in, they're talking, and he's like, immediately like, I must find a mirror to prove my point that I am right. And he does it, and he even gets the guy on. He's like, hey man, come on, look, look real quick. Fucking, fucking look at this shit. Look at it. He is Told so you. He is so much more consumed with proving them wrong than he is about outing the monster that will yeah. immediately kill everybody who knows he's a vampire. Like he didn't even give a shit about that. He's more, he's like, ha ha. Yeah, I, I love it. He shows it. Yeah, and then he like, contract like, Can you come here? And I'm like, oh man, what is he doing now? What what's the game plan here? What's what's Mister Van Helsing got up his sleeve now? And he's just like opens the mirror and yeah, like he breaks character. You just see all the Slap it out of his fucking hand. And then the, the smug smile they get on Van Helsing, like a close-up of him being like, Aha. Aha. Like, I, Dracula should have just ripped his head off right there. Like, what has he got to lose? Well, Dracula tries to save it with like, I'm so sorry I did that. 
Now, if you'll excuse me. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even really come up with an excuse. He's like, I am so sorry. I must go get some sleep. And that's when it leads to the whole like, hey, what? You guys see that? My Lord, what is it in Van Helsing? Is it a wolf? <laughs> and I was like, well, yes, it is a wolf. It's like, aha! They can transform into wolves, usually bats, but sometimes to instill fear, they transform into wolves. I'm like, you're just a treasure trove of fucking information right now, buddy. I'm like, loving these vague, non-specific traits that Van Helsing is just pulling out of his ass every 10 minutes. Yeah. Also, Dracula, who's trying to not, you know, further out himself, just decides to wolf out in the yard. <laughs> like you couldn't wait till you're out of view of the terrace. <laughs> he got frazzled, dude. He was like Chris Rock. He got frazzled. He didn't know what he was doing. Would have been hilarious if he smacked the mirror and was like, ah, and immediately <laughs> turned into a bat and flew out the window. And they're all just like. What was that? <laughs> Keep my wife's neck out of your fucking mouth. I would have loved if someone just yelled that. <laughs> God damn it. Will, you fucking maniac. Oh, boy. So with that, I kind of started to drift after that. Uh it, the movie just kind of ends. I mean, Dracula gets killed, you know, unceremoniously off screen. We just hear him go, Ugh! and that's that's the movie. Which is crazy that, like, back then that was like them pushing it. Like, holy shit, did we just hear a death? Yeah, a death that was too much. They they were told to cut that. Yeah, that and Renfield's. Like, they were like, you cannot do what you did with Renfield. That's way too much for our audience to see. I was like, he fell down the st- stairs and screamed a little bit. Like, it's not that bad. I mean, we got to see a like a burning windmill fall in Frankenstein's monster. The Invisible Man got to you know be become visible on his deathbed. Wolfman got beaten to death by his father. Dracula off screen gets an old man puts a stake in his heart and is like, "Well, that is that who wants to." <laughs> it's just so. It's just over. <laughs> There's really like not an ending here. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, well, and I love how like there's no like tension with it in the sense that like uh Harcourt or Jonathan, whatever, needs to like go take care of his wife. And instead of anyone else being like, no man, you must help me. He's like, go, save your beloved. I got this. And then just does it. Like, Dracula doesn't fight. He's just like, and bap, there we go. All right, I did it. I got him. Van Helsing is like a high school football captain who 30 years later still thinks he can make the NFL. <laughs> and is constantly like, this is my moment. This is it. This is my moment. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. Van Helsing in this movie is kind of a crazy man. Yeah. <laughs> One could argue maybe uh, Loomis, Mr. Darren Pleasant, got some inspiration in his portrayal of later sequels of Halloween and getting crazy on this. I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it. Michael is here. Death has come to your town. Death. 
Okay, first off, let's calm it down there, Loomis. Whoa. Well, if Carpenter's just like, Don, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, I need like 40% of that. You <laughs> 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 wonder how much of like his performance was actually because of John Carpenter being like, yo, I need you at like a 40% for this movie. Do not jump to that level yet. And then the moment he left, because, you know, he didn't want to do the sequels and all that stuff that happened, Don Wilson went, now I can go the full 80. Now's my time. He's just in the mirror like, Michael, 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 Michael. <laughs> and then he, then he goes in. <laughs> Got to psych himself up. <laughs> what the fuck are we even talking about anymore? <laughs> Oh man! Oh, so, yeah, it's you can see the influence, huh? Yeah. I can't. <laughs> I like we're talking about it. Granted, I also keep going back to your fucking your uh, your your voice that you used for Loomis for that whole scenario impression. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I yeah, that was a combination of just like the heat getting in my head and just. Being like, fuck it. <laughs> let's, let's make this funny. <laughs> uh, let's, let's get nuts. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, hey, can you imagine, like, so Van Helsing does this, right? Like, the stories he's going to tell, because we've established that that man is smug. He's going to gloat about this for days, for years. Like, did I ever tell you about the time that I killed Dracula? Yes, but oh, let me tell you again. I feel like nine times out of ten, they'd be like, who's Dracula? (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't exactly famous in the movie universe, so he's just like, well, let me tell you a story. (laughs) (laughs) They go in there for something else, and every time you see him, it's like an hour and a half story of Dracula and how he slayed the beast. (laughs) The wolfman rolls around. Everyone's like, how do we stop this creature? You you, you You see the smoke from a pipe in the distance and you just hear I believe I can be of service <laughs> what it, if? it it looks like a wolf it's probably a vampire <laughs> he tries to stake the wolf man it rips him the fuck apart <laughs> what if what if oh, the suit's hiding the most jacked body we've ever seen it's like one of those things that like, he takes it off he goes like three sizes and muscle immediately <laughs> he takes down Frankenstein with a fucking like punch to the forehead just knocks his ass down oh i see you've underestimated me again ha comes like the fucking rock out of nowhere just (laughs) this is the van helsing tom cruise wanted to play (laughs) thankfully that didn't happen thank fucking god (laughs) and whatever the fuck that whole doc universe thing was Ugh, what a waste of time that was. Yeah. And money. I can't wait to talk about all that failure on Beyond the Bad one day. Oh, yeah. Oh, that means I gotta sit to that movie again. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I I will not take away the fact that, like, this one has an anticlimactic ending. Because, like, they don't even do, like, at the end. And if they do, it's, like, for a brief second before, like, it cuts off. And then, like, if you're watching it, like, on the Blu-ray, right, 
it's like it's kind of trying because like it just cuts off and then the whole Dolby thing pops up immediately. The, the like this moves in with this form of sound and like the Dolby shit pops up and you're like, oh shit, it's over. Like, <laughs> like did anybody deal with the brides? No. Well, Transylvania is still fucked, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. What did you really solve, Van Helsing? He killed Dracula. That's all that needed to happen. <laughs> But as we see in subsequent sequels, he didn't kill shit. Apparently, he doesn't know where the heart is. Well, that's because, again, he has to be like like we saw with Loomis. He has to always be there to take him down. <laughs> and Helsing is Dracula's Ahab. Shouldn't that be the other way around? Sure. Okay. Yeah, they're both crazy. <laughs> uh, here are some filmgasm facts for Dracula. Why Dracula be his Moby Dick? Well, Moby Dick and the White Whale are the same thing. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Metaphors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> film guys and facts. Number one, a Spanish language version, also called Dracula, was filmed at night on the same set at the same time with Spanish-speaking actors. They just, as soon as regular Dracula called cut, Mexican Dracula wandered in. And filmed their version of Dracula with the same set. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, so I looked into why they did that because I was curious. And apparently, you know, you know, uh, silent films were easy to distribute you know, to other countries because it was silent, right? Um, but then the series got into the issue when sound became a thing and sound became normal. Because we're like, well, shit, no one, not everyone speaks English, right? It's, now we have a language barrier. So they would do, they would look at viable markets. And at that time, the Spanish-speaking marketplace was extremely profitable and viable to use. So they'd film a, a good chunk of their films with the English actors and everything. And then afterwards, when they were done, the Spanish crews would come in and film the Spanish version. They would distribute that version to that marketplace. So that's why I was so I was curious, and that's why they did it. So, so, it was a, so that happened with a lot of films. Yeah. Huh. So it was a, it was a weird way to try to get films as out into that into the world as possible essentially right it's kind of like your first take of like foreign cinema almost like again right here we knowing you right why i implore people to get past your modern day mindset and watch these films you're seeing in a sense the beginnings of foreign distribution right some that's like huge now but uh films from other countries you know our films are you know films that we watch from our countries or an- those who fucking love their anime, right? The anime that gets fucking imported all the time. So this was really like, I would say the beginning of that. Most of the silent film, obviously silent films the beginning since I, like they were able to just do it freely because silent, there was no sound. It was easy to get shit from Germany into America or from America, you know, vice versa. Minus maybe when World War One was going on. But besides that, right, it was easy. And then now we have sound. We got to figure this shit out. How do we, how do we do this? I think it's pretty neat that we were like Hollywood was even thinking about foreign markets in, in the thirties. I mean, until you mentioned that it was, you know, a, a profitable potential profitable area, then I'm like, Oh, that's why. <laughs> Cause most of the time back then it was like, they, they probably didn't give a shit. No, but, if it had to be a profitable area. So it wasn't like everyone got it. Can you, that- can you imagine if we still did that? If we still did it this way, like Spider-Man, no way home is filming. And then, like when 
Tom, Andrew, and Toby are done. Hispanic Spider-Man come in and they film their version. <laughs> that would kind of be awesome. Every single American movie has a, a double out there. <laughs> oh my god. Marvel would be having a fill day with fucking spoilers. Oh my god. Yeah, I just feel like a leaked from the set of Mexican Spider-Man is everything. Oh boy. Um, film guys effects. Number two, Dracula never once blinks his eyes. An effect that enhances the undead character's otherworldly aura, abetted by Bella Lugosi's famous menacing stare. Dracula doesn't blink once in this film. Yeah, which had to be fucking. I mean, it's fine. People are like, well, that's easy to do, right? Don't blink. I'm like, try, try, try looking at someone for minutes on end without blinking. Like, eventually your eyes get tired. Yeah, that's an incredible, that level of focus is incredibly admirable to me. I mean, I, I always think of The Shining, the scene with Jack and Wendy and the bat. Like, huh. yeah, Jack doesn't blink there either. I'm, oh, yeah. I, I love you. I don't want to hurt you, honey. I just want to bash your fucking brains in. <laughs> it's so fucking Wendy, wacko. Darling, love of my life. Love the enunciation. Light of my life. <laughs> Just soap. Goddamn. <laughs> but yeah, it's an incredible trait that an actor has to be able to focus like that. Uh, number three, this had me rolling. There was no real soundtrack in the film because it was believed that with sound being such a recent innovation in films, the audience would not accept hearing music in a scene if there was no explanation for it being there. What? The unless unless there is a full piece orchestra in the film at all times, people wouldn't be able to understand why there's music coming out of the screen. <laughs> How stupid did they think people were? Really, various. They should have kept the Texas character in from the book just to announce the, the music every time. He's the only one who can hear the score. Yeah, he's like, "Where's that coming from?" What are you hearing? What in the Sam Harrell is going on here? I'm hearing music. Sounds like Swan Lake. <laughs> he looks at the camera. Do y'all find folks hear that? They're like, what are you doing? I almost said Tex. I'm like, his name's not Tex. It's Quincy. <laughs> you just want to call him Tex. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he's not as Texan as I'm making it out to be, but because I'm born and raised in that state. I'm I've really, read the book, and it was a, it's was it been a few years, and he stood out. So I, I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Van Helsing. You're telling me that they're a vampire? I'll see what it does with some bullets. That there vampire is making invisible music. You got to <laughs> stop him. I don't know why. I don't know how, but I don't like it. <laughs> He's always about to pull out his gun. His his... <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and number four, the studio did not want the scene where Dracula attacks Renfield to be filmed due to the perceived gay subtext of the situation. A memo oh, was yes. sent to the director stating Dracula is only to attack women. Oh, yes. Sorry, that's right. 30s America. Ha. Huh. 
awfully similar similar to 2022 florida oh i forgot that shit happened today yeah fuck uh, you so much not you caleb them <laughs> just want to make that clear that'd be a weird transition <laughs> i felt like a, a, a figurative will smith slap across my face someone needs to will smith slap florida is that is that a thing now will smith slap I mean, that's what I was saying to some of my students today. <laughs> Again, for anyone who's wondering, I, I'm instructor for the Navy, so I can say things like that without getting as, as much trouble. Um, but I was t- I'm teaching them something, and like, I've got so many children, I was like, I'm going to go over there and Will Smith you here in a second as a joke, <laughs> which, you know, got laughed. So, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Bye bye. No more Agent J. No more Captain Hiller. No more Mike Lowry. He's just the, the psycho who slapped Chris Rock now. No more Muhammad Ali. Like, <laughs> which is the film I would argue he should have gotten his Oscar for to begin with. But moving on. Um. Uh, so there have been countless versions of Dracula brought to film since Lugosi's version. All of them owe something to his performance. So I figured it'd be kind of fun to just sort of riff about some of our favorites to close this thing out. Uh, I want to start with Richard Roxburgh in Van Helsing. God damn it. The only Dracula in film, to my knowledge, to straight up emulate Count Chocula. Uh, A lot of people hate that movie. I don't, but I do hate him. He is a terrible fucking Dracula. It's so over the top, so ridiculous. Uh, But I like that movie. I can't help it. I know you do. I know how much you like that movie. It's fun. Uh, you got any? Um, so, for me, it may not necessarily like attract a little bit as far as interpretation of vampires throughout cinema. Um, I've always been a big fan of like their take on vampirism in the Underworld movies. Yeah. With, like the whole war between that and the Lycans. I've always enjoyed that. Um, because yeah, I mean, as far as like favorite Traculus, it's so really Sansa's very Lugosi for me, and mm-hmm. I am I am holding out hope that Will uh, Will Smith, Jesus Christ, I'm stuck on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that Nicholas Cage is going to be in my top five, probably my second or third favorite when that film comes out next year. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. He's on a, a very exciting career rebound right now, and I am loving every second of it. Did, did you see that someone, real quick, before we get back into it, that someone treated like, I saw it, someone treated like, we don't need the academies to give Cage an award for Pig. We know he's been winning anyway, and he is the best actor of all in this generation. And I'm like, there you go. Fuck yeah. So there you go. Academies don't need Cage. The fans got his back. He is the best goddamn actor and apparently a class act that defends the Marvel movies. So fuck yeah. And his VOD films. Not many actors would do that. So I big respect for that. I do love that. I also find it ironic that he he, he did win an Oscar. <laughs> like he does have one. He does but, have one. But I get your point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying he should have definitely been nominated for Pig. It's big, 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 big snub. But yeah, he should have been. He should have won for Pig. I think that was maybe the strongest performance by a lead actor of the year. Yeah, that was clearly channeling stuff going on in his own life and career. I love that he's managed to to take that and use it. 
I, I admire that. He's managed to turn his, you know, his doubts about his career, his slump into fuel for these performances in films like Mandy and Pig and The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Like, that is cool. So, well, way, way to go. Yeah. Way to turn that mush into muscles. We love you, Nick Cage. Yes, we do. Don't, uh, don't leave us too soon. Oh, no. He's going to be around forever. I'm, I'm like 80% sure Nicolas Cage died in like 2008, and this is a robot. If that was announced, would you be surprised? No. Really, don't have any sense. That's tracking Nicolas Cage. Yeah, of course. Robot, alien, weird, misshapen clone, one of them. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, the Underworld movies. Um, when I was looking up movie Dracula's Underworld 2 kept coming up, I guess, because the character of Marcus, you know, being the oh, first vampire, yeah. I'm sure was kind yeah. of and a, like a medieval warrior. There was definitely some inspiration from Vlad the Impaler there. Mm-hmm. Uh you can argue that. I thought that yeah. one was cool. I, I don't I don't like all the underworld movies. Two though has such a cool story that it's hard to to not like that one. Yeah, two's really good, um, and it's I think the only one that actually like it's literally the only sequel that had the best continuing from the last one, last one than yeah. any of the other sequels did after that. Um, yeah, um, Dominic Purcell, Blade Trinity. I I am so mixed on that portrayal. Like there are points I do I do like it. Like I like how Dominic Purcell was like really like vicious and I love like when they are like so happy to bring him back and he slaughters the team. Like, yeah, of course, what was he gonna do? He's fucking Dracula and he's goddamn hungry. Um at the same time, not my all-time favorite, and it has a lot to do with the fact that the movie's okay at best. I just think Blade versus Dracula should have been a bigger affair. That movie seems muted as hell probably because wesley snipes is barely in it it's mostly his uh his stand-in <laughs> uh so ryan reynolds and jessica bill who uh felt uncomfortable due to a sex scene that wesley snipes was adamant about having and luckily got told no that wouldn't make any fucking sense with the tone of that film there's not a romantic connection between the two of them at all it literally came off like he just wanted to fuck jessica bill or at least you know pretend fuck jessica bill you know what's weird? There was supposed to be a sex scene between Blade and the vampire girl in Blade 2 that also didn't happen. He really wanted a sex scene. I think he he really did. <laughs> and they're like, no, Wesley, no. But um, yeah, Purcell's Dracula has elements that I like. You know, he's his design, you know, with the red, like his his true form is pretty freaky, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh I like his like warrior armor uh, that like all the Dracula shit we've been fed is like hiding the true myth. Uh, and there's something in his eyes, this like fury that I really liked. And the scene where he like goes to the vampire store and fucks the place up. I always like that. Yeah. Like, so those elements, I like how, like I said, like they kind of subvert by having like the vampires be like, oh my God, we have it. The original vampire. We did it. We brought him back. And he just looks at him like, I could give two shits less about you because I am the vampire. Yeah. Fuck off. Like, this is not my fight. I'm, I want to go back to bed, but I'm here. Might as well fuck shit up. Yeah. <laughs> if you woke me up, I'm pissed now. What's going on? Yeah. It's, he does have that great line where he like, I think he quotes Alexander the Great or somebody, you know, kill one man, you're a murderer. 
kill a million a king, kill them all a god. Like, oh yeah, some pretty cool shit for Dracula to say. Yes, and he does almost kill a baby. Yeah, he does, and he can walk around in daylight. I think the only Dracula who can do that. Yeah, that which they never really. I don't. I can't remember if the movie really explains why he can do that. I, I don't know. I, just because he's the first, he has like special powers. Yeah, it's, it's not fully explained. But I mean, this is also like that was also a film series that established as long as they put on sunscreen, they can walk around. That bugged me yeah. so hard. Yeah, it's like don't get me wrong. Like, look, I love the first two Blade movies especially, but like that is something that every time I watch, I'm like, that's not how sunscreen works. I love that the only thing Blade had to do to kill Frost in the first one is just keep him talking while the sunscreen wears off. Yeah. But he warns him. He's like, hey, your mascara is running. Like, dude, shut the fuck up and just wait. <laughs> anyway, Blade. Love Blade. Um, here's another good shout out of Dracula's. Duncan Rager, the Monster Squad. That is a really good portrayal, but especially because, like, you know, they couldn't use the Universal likenesses to a T, obviously. So they got, like, the as close as they got. And, yeah. But I love Monster Squad. Monster Squad is such a great fucking movie. I love it so much. It's fucking horror goonies. It's the best. I love the Monster Squad. Um, I love that it is kind of like, you know, it's like a store-bought Dracula costume. It's a Wolfman. It's a swamp creature thing. It's a mummy. It's, it's just, I, yeah. I love that. It's a Frankenstein. <laughs> and it's Tom Noonan is Frankenstein who, like, joins their team. I love that. Yeah. And obviously the immortal line, whoa, Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> um, I, I, I rented that movie at Blockbuster when I was a kid on tape. And I was like, this is so cool. I would rent that and Harry and the Hendersons every time I went to Hollywood video. Jesus Christ. I love those movies and I couldn't buy them myself because couldn't find them anywhere. So when they came out on DVD, I bought them both immediately. Nice. <laughs> Um, I will say, um, if it wasn't for that third fucking episode of, that sh- of the Dracula show, uh, I think it's Class Clace, uh Bang. I don't know how to say his first name. He fucking nailed it as far as like still obviously being somewhat like of that having that handsome or that, you know, that appeal right, but just being downright ruthless in that show. And like at one point, just straight up telling Renfield, I'm Dracula. I'm going to keep you here and turn into a fucking vampire. What about it? Like, <laughs> very upfront about it. Like, doesn't give a fuck. Like, no, you. I'm going to fucking keep you here. You're in my. You're in my castle. You made a wrong move. Like I said, at one point, like going up to the the nuns as a wolf and busting out of for a transformation, busting out of it, butt naked, just standing there, being like, "Are you going? Is going to let me in?" Like, just mind fucking them immediately. That I gotta check this show out. Um, and this is gonna be—it's not exactly Dracula, but to me, it's pretty close. Chris Sarandon, Fright Night. Uh, one could argue that Jerry Dandridge is Dracula, who decided to adapt to the '80s and change his name to something more American and learn people skills. <laughs> yeah, somewhat. I just it's it's he's got such a Dracula vibe the seduction the his like cape like jacket the the claws it's there's just he is he's Dracula of the 80s 
Yeah, and I mean, he is sophisticated because he does give, uh, you know, Charlie a chance to where he's like, do he's like, look, man, you saw what you saw, but if you let it go, I will leave you alone. I will do nothing. Like this is a this is a Dracula, I imagine, killed Van Helsing pretty goddamn quick, and then went to America. Yeah, <laughs> he killed the old man. He's like, okay, I'm not playing this game. You're old. I got I got this. <laughs> Yeah, I love watching that movie with the mindset that Jerry is Dracula. Like, I already love that to death, but that thing, that that idea amplifies it. Yeah, I do really love, like, if you take into account, like, this movie would not have happened had Charlie just left him alone. Like, had he just followed through when when uh, Sarandon was like, look, man, you saw what you saw. I'll give you a way out right now. You say nothing. I'll leave you alone. Yeah, the big lesson of Fright Night is don't peep. Yeah. And if they give you the out, just fucking take it. Just take it. You had the chance because you saw it as soon as he said no. He's like, all right, now I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm going to go after you. I've never even met my neighbors, let alone know any element of their life. But Charlie just couldn't keep to himself. He couldn't just stop looking in the window. He couldn't stop watching them carry a coffin into the basement. He had to just get, he was nosy. And that's what you get. It's amazing in a lot of horror films like that and Disturbia and Rear Window where you're like, just stop looking out your fucking window. Keep to yourself and you won't see something you're not supposed to see. Yeah. It's really easy. During the day in my apartment, I'll open the blinds to let sunlight in. Am I looking out that window like all day saying like, what's no, I'm looking at my TV usually or preoccupied with something that I'm doing in my apartment. Especially Charlie when your girlfriend's trying to bang you. You idiot. Anyway, that's my that's my bit on Fright Night. Yeah, I forgot about that. She's like trying to bang him. I'm like, dude, to have sex and then maybe look after. Get off first. <laughs> Get off first, then stare at the neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> to do, I'm just picturing a to do list. <laughs> Get off. Stare at the neighbor. All right, time for bed. All right, and now I'm going to bed. I'm satisfied. <laughs> Oh well, this was fun. Um, any more Draculas you'd like to spotlight, or I think we covered quite a few. Uh, not off the top of my head. Um, I just always go back to Bela Lugosi anyway. As much as I love other portrayals of Dracula, or whatever vampires we get, right? I just I always go back to this. Oh, the Thirty Days a Night vampires. I'm I'm a big fan of those vampires. Eh, I get it. They're they're vicious. I like a little bit more character in my in my vampires what do you want first you want vicious now you want character what do you want man i want a vicious character i thought that was clear (laughs) i want a vampire with some substance who will also rip you the fuck apart they had some they talked granted it was like some weird vampire speak but they talked the one vampire i really want to see done correctly in film is kurt barlow from salem's lot well, hopefully we just got to wait for the trailer to come out this year. Or the movie, if they want to be real coy and not put him in the trailer. Who might may or may not be being played by William Sadler because he's the only role they haven't fucking confirmed what he's playing. He's he's Barlow. Come on. Yeah. Come it's on. it's one of those things where, like, literally everyone else, they've been like, so they're playing this role and they're playing this role. And then him, they're like, he's an undisclosed role. I'm like, so he's Barlow. I was like, you've literally told me who everyone else is playing but him. 
He's an established older actor. There's no fucking way you, you, he's Barlow. He's a king legacy actor. He's played multiple roles in his films. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, it, I could, I mean, we could be way off, but I'm like, it, it's not point you being Barlow, which I'm totally down for. I, I don't usually do this. I don't like to plug my own work, but this seems like a perfect opportunity to reveal the fact that I wrote three vampire novels of my own. Uh, vampire westerns that drew elements from some of the more talkative vampires in fiction. And I do have a character named Abraham who got in a bit of a tussle with a count in Transylvania. So, yeah. It's pretty badass. Buy my books. Search my name on Amazon. You can get them for 10 bucks a pop. Now that you've given yourself a a nice little jerk off moment. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Yeah, we in like almost 200 episodes. I've never done this. I think I'm. I think I'm owed one. I think I get one. What, are, you, are you empowered by the Oscars? Are you? I'm very empowered. Apparently, as we learned, you can get away with anything as long as you're an artist. So, <laughs> as long as you're an artist and you make a really interesting speech afterwards, it's all good. Yeah, I'm working on that part. Uh, but yeah, check them out. Vampires, wet, Old West, fun stuff. A lot of nods to vampire movies I like. Uh, first one's called Consequence. Second one's called Devil's Blood. Third one's called Meadow Sweet. Available on Amazon. All right. I give Dracula a seven. I don't think it's terrible. I just think it's a little dull and I don't like the abrupt ending. Well, I'll give it an eight. Uh, I really like a lot of what this film started. I, I see where people I see where you're coming from with it. Like I said, it's it's a weird structure that's very noticeable. Where like there's the first part in Transylvania, and then the boat, and then London, which is like literally the last hour of the film. So it's like the longest part of the film too. Um, yeah. And yeah, the ending very abrupt. Usually there's like a big, especially in older films, they have like a big like musical score, and they'll say the end, and you're very aware it's the ending. And this one, I don't think they do any of that. It's just like it ends. Yeah, you just, Dracula gets killed over there. You just trust Van Helsing put the stake in the right place. Nobody checks that shit. And then they just go. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, Van Helsing's a master vampire hunter. According to Van Helsing. <laughs> it's like Loomis is a master Michael Myers hunter. Like, it's, it's, all, it's all the credit they need. What Loomis is, is a terrible psychiatrist who believes that this patient is pure evil, and I bet Loomis is responsible for that. Anyway, Halloween. Oh, yeah, I know. I remember your joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This turned out to be a fucking great episode. Uh, if you like what we do, feel free to follow us on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Filmgasm Productions. You can always suggest films for us to check out. Throw us an email at filmgasm at gmail.com. Send us some uh, feedback. We love that. You can always look at the website, filmgasm.com, where we have reviews and articles and trailers and every episode of our shows. If you want to support the show, you can click on support this podcast on your podcast provider. We appreciate anything. Hope you enjoyed this one. I certainly did. This turned out to be a fun episode. I was kind of dreading, like, how am I going to stretch Dracula into an hour? And we went pretty long. <laughs> uh, Next week, the cycle continues with Austin's pick. 
I think this is going to be our first biopic on a proper Filmgasm episode. We did a couple when we were doing bonuses and trying to cover basically what the sneak preview does now. Uh, but officially, in the Filmgasm canon, I don't think we've done any biopics. During the Great Depression, when Prohibition was the law of the land, one Virginia family keeps their community spirits up by bootlegging illegal booze. Pretty soon, the Bondurant family finds themselves under fire from a crooked special deputy and other authorities angling for their end in the super underrated 2012 crime drama, The Lawless, starring Tom Hardy, Shia LaBeouf, Jessica Chastain, Guy Pierce, Jason Clark, and Gary Oldman, among others. Hell of a fun movie with a loaded cast. I can't wait. Yeah, I really like I remember really, really liking this film. Um, before his like personal life got, I, I would say, even more fucking publicized than it was at the time. This is one of the films where I would tell people, like, no, Shia LaBeouf can't act. You got to watch Lawless. Like, he is fucking phenomenal in this movie. Um, the specific scene I always go to when he's, like, in the shit beat at him by um, uh, Guy Pierce's character. And the acting in that scene is fucking superb from him. Like, when him trying to be like, stop fucking hitting me with your gun. Like, Jesus. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, very, very good film. Tom Hardy's a fucking beast in it. As playing a character that makes me go like, yeah, that is a character that Tom Hardy would play. It makes fucking sense. Well, I love that he did this immediately after The Dark Knight Rises, so he's still got what I call the Bane bulk. So he's just fucking huge. Yeah, and sometimes it looks like he's just tired of the Bane bulk. Like, yeah, it seems to be sitting out where you're like, is he, you can tell he's like tired. He's trying to lose it. Like He's walking around like a fucking silverback just loaded with, with muscle. Uh, but yeah, it's been a long time since I sat down and watched Lawless. I'm glad Austin picks, uh, picked this. I'm excited to watch it again. Uh, don't miss Star Wars The Clone Wars on Fridays Beyond the Bad. Jaws on Oscar Sunday. And Marvel and Sony's Morbius on Monday's sneak preview. Until then, don't go into any creepy castles in Transylvania. And keep watching movies. Keep watching movies.